And the Bible said it's God that worketh in you. I want you to stop and silah that for a moment. You read the Psalms, there will be a, within the Psalm itself, there will be a verse and then underneath in capital letters, S-E-L-A-H. Musically, it would mean there's a pause where no one is playing. No notes are being played. Selah. Spiritually, it means, and, and literally, I'm going to bring the literal sense of it, to s- stop before reading the next verse. Stop with this verse. Because God wants you to get it. And if you just keep going, you may not get it. So stop. Sit down and quietly contemplate this. Can you say amen? Amen. That means to get in the word and meditate on what you just read. I'm not talking about the eastern stuff. I'm talking about spiritual stuff. Because we live in a fast-paced world. And the Bible said other things entering in will choke the word and cause it to become unfruitful. And there's always other things trying to press into our thoughts and into our lives and to break our focus. God says when you come to my word, you've got to stop. You know, the Bible said to be still first and know that he is God. And then it says to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Amen. Be still and know that he is God and stand still and see. Be still and know, stand still and see. Praise God. And that's that peace that allows us to be still and stand still. The shoes, the last part of the spiritual armor was the hobnail boots. It's the last thing he put on before going to battle. He's got his sword. He's got his shield. He's got his helmet. He's got his breastplate. His loins girt about with truth. And there's a last piece of armor. Uh, that is essential for him to stand and fight. And it was the hobnailed boot of the Roman soldier. Your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Praise God. Amen. That doesn't mean just having a readiness to share the gospel. It means that you are sharing the gospel from a standpoint of his peace in your life. And that's what makes the gospel so compelling to other people. Bible said everybody outside the kingdom. And of course there's some people in the kingdom that don't have kingdom peace. And they need to get a hold of it. Amen. And pursue it. But outside the kingdom of God. The Bible said the wicked are like the troubled sea. Whose waters cast up mire and dirt. There is no peace saith my God unto the wicked. None. Zero. So if you're a Christian. If, if you're not a Christian. Uh, you can't have that peace that he offers. Jesus said, my peace I give unto you. I read that and I thought, where is it? <laughs> you know, when you're going through something. You know, if you gave it to me, where is it? Well, what, when it says, my peace I give unto you, he means I have made this peace available to you. And how you receive it is clear to me in Scripture. Because you don't, it doesn't just, it's not curb service. Heaven has no curb service. It's not just delivered to you. Every promise of God is obtained by faith. Can you say amen? Every one of them, through faith, 
the Bible said, I guess I will preach now. Okay? All right. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 11 said, Hebrews chapter 11 said, through faith they obtained promises. And when they, can you imagine what would happen? You know, the Bible said, whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these you might be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in. These are the top shelf promises. They're not all, but the top shelf ones is that we can become more like Jesus and we can partake of the very nature of God in our own heart and life through the Holy Spirit, through the word of God, his work. God is it's God that worketh in you. If you're here today and you're playing the church game or the Christian game, there's something you can't achieve as a witness that you need to be a true witness, and that is the peace of God reigning and ruling. It's obtained by faith and particularly the use of faith in prayer. In prayer. The Bible said, be anxious for nothing. Boy, that's a challenge to me. That means don't worry about anything. Be anxious for nothing. I went through terrible anxiety attacks while preaching the gospel. I wasn't a hypocrite, but it hit me hard. And it shamed me. I felt ashamed of myself. Why am I, of all people, you know, teaching others, why am I going through this? Well, when you, when you don't eat right, you don't sleep right, and you don't pray right, that means you don't commit things to God. Yes. The pressure builds up on you like anyone else. Holy Spirit, don't make you subhuman nor superhuman. It just gives you, it gives you supernatural ability, but it doesn't touch your humanity. We have this treasure in an earthen vessel, and the earthen vessel never changes that quality. That's why we need sufficiency of His grace. You can have all of that power, but without that sufficient grace, you will get discouraged, and you will not be able to believe God, trust God, and release that power in your life. Stir up the gift that's in you, Timothy. He's discouraged. And he showed him that dichotomy, that difference between his flesh and his spirit. He said, there's faith in you. You would think if your faith is in you, you would never be discouraged. And he said, I know there's faith in you. Paul wrote him a letter. I used to sit around wondering, when's, when, when's my letter coming? Check the mail every day. I'm serious. Who's going to encourage the encourager? I even called Independent Assemblies of God. My wife, I think, called them and said, my, my husband's really going through a trial right now, a terrible test right now. I was having anxiety attacks. I, I went out into to the, what was then a garage room, old garage room, and to, so I wouldn't upset my family at night. I would go out into that room and turn all the lights on and take Freedom Phone with me. Didn't have cells back then. That was back in the day of, of the beepers, you know. And, <laughs> Yeah, back in the day. <laughs> that was too much laughter. That was a whole lot of laughter. <laughs> he had a beeper. He's an old guy right there. Yeah. And I'd sit out in that room and, and ashamed of myself for not being able to believe God and achieve that peace. Why am I having this? The Bible said we have this treasure in an earthen vessel. That the excellency of the power, when God shows up and God shows out through us, might be of God and not of ourselves. Amen. So we never, never lose that earthen quality. 
And, that, and God understands that. Peter, watch with me one hour. Jesus came and, and took on flesh. And that meant he walked around in a body like yours and had to deal with flesh like you do. He knows how weak and susceptible it is. He needed, he's God incarnate. But you know what caused him to need people to pray with him? This is God in a human body because it was God in a human body. And it didn't make him any less God. That's the mystery of godliness. It said, great is the mystery of godliness. Without question, God was manifest in the flesh. And that was Christ. But because he was in a human body, he asked Peter to pray with him. What? God needs someone to pray with him? In a human body. The Bible said he was sorrowful in the garden. His soul, that part of him that has the emotion, was sorrowful unto death. So if you're hearing a hyper-faith message that somehow brings you into some superman, superwoman, to where, where you never feel and sense all of the things that, that your brothers and sisters and the, actually mankind is sensing, that's a wrong message. We have this treasure, no doubt, but we have it in an earthen vessel so that the excellency of the power is of God and not of ourselves. And I love the inclusiveness of Paul. He said, we are cast down, talking about him and all the disciples and all the apostles. We are cast down. So if you think you can get to a place of faith where you will never have a bad day, you know, I, I, only have the, I only have the giggles all day long. There's no place like that. You will never, you know. I heard a guy say one time, he said, I don't have any problems. And he said it with this arrogant, pride-filled attitude. I don't have any problems. All I have is solutions. I thought, you know, that's, that's good for you. And then the next thing you hear, because they had a budgetary crisis because of the high television bills. And the next thing you hear when they have a budget crisis is, we really need your help. And I thought, I thought you had solutions. You know, I thought you had it together. I thought you just snap your fingers and, you know, it all comes rolling in. It doesn't work that way. And people think God is unfaithful when they expect him to work that way. So Jesus says, my peace I give unto you, not as the world. I'm going to stop right there. The world's definition of peace is simplified in most dictionaries. The absence of wars. The cessation of conflicts. You know, it's not like some marriages. One Christian marriage where they were at each other all the time. They didn't get it together. Said we have a, we have a, very, we have a prophetic marriage. It's an end time marriage. Wars and rumors of wars. Can you say amen? And it ought not be that way. But there are marriages like that. There are Christian men and women that the Bible said, lest your prayers be hindered, you need to get along with that lady and you need to get along with that man. Well, I can't get along with them. Yes, you can. How? I'm so glad you asked that. I'll give you the money. After the service, I will pay you. 
How can I get along with somebody who's so crazy? You know, as a lady went to a, a psychologist uh, uh, because she was in depression. He'd been giving her medication for depression because she was negative and, and just grouchy and grumpy all the time. And the psychologist wanted to know if the president, when she came back, wanted to know if the uh, uh, if it was working because their marriage was under stress and duress. She came in and sat down. And the first thing he asked her after a month of being on the antidepressant was, did you wake up grumpy this morning? And she said, no, I just let him sleep. <laughs> anyway, you'll think about that for a little while. Just think about it. How do you get along with somebody that's hard to get along with? How do you do that? Well... The first step is stop trying to change them. Because the harder you push to change them, the more they're going to react back. Well, then what do I do? Well, how about working on changing you? Getting God, letting God work some changes in you. It's always the other person. I mean, it's human nature. Someone said to Ur, it's human. To blame someone else is even more human. Amen. And the blame game never works spiritually. Never. It never works spiritually. Actually, you need to be to that person what you want that person to be to you. I wish that person was more loving than love them more. I wish that person was more understanding than try to be understanding to them. In other words, you sow into, see, you reap what you sow. That's a spiritual law. Sow into them what you need from them. You say, but they're the ones supposed to do the changing. I'm the one that's right. They're the one that's wrong. That's not the issue, the right and the wrong. And the issue is, do you really want to see change come? And it has to begin with a kind of love that's different than the way the world defines it. They can't define peace. They can't define love. Biblically, love is not like the world defines it. Most of the time, it's L-U-S-T instead of L-O-V-E. Three three classic words used in, in cultures for centuries for love. One is the most, and it's in its place and context, there's nothing impure about it. But it's been made something ugly and dirty. And that's eros. We get erotic from it. And it is just the physical stimulation of male and female. Eros, erotic. There's a higher level of love that has nothing to do with with sexual attraction. And that's in its place is a pure thing. The marriage bed is undefiled, the scripture said. God created this. The devil corrupted this. Can you say amen? Amen. So the next level is philos. It's brotherly love. It's the kind of love that you hear these stories out of, ultimately out of every war that we have ever been in. Whether it be the Army, the Navy, Coast Guard, United States Marine Corps, and the military. It's when one man is willing to sacrifice himself for his brethren, his brothers in arms. 
In particular, I remember I used to read a lot about Vietnam because uh, two uncles served in Vietnam uh, in our family. And uh, one of them was a helicopter pilot shot down behind enemy lines and rescued the next day. Uh, another fought in combat and there was a combat veteran in Vietnam. Both of them came back, but 60,000 did not come back. And 150,000 were wounded. I grew up during the Vietnam era. And in one particular story of a young black Marine, and when you get in, in, the, in the heat of battle, all of this race stuff and all of this stuff that divides and separates, it doesn't exist anymore. It's one of the things they missed when they came back here because it did continue to exist. But when, when, when everybody's dependent on the guy, you know, after a while they said the cause wasn't what we were really fighting for in a firefight. It wasn't the overall politics of the war. We were fighting for the guy to our left and the guy to our right. We were fighting to defend and help one another. The Marines even had a slogan, no one left behind. Now, the Christian army needs to get better at this. Someone said of us, and it shouldn't be said of us, we should set a higher standard and example then Philos, we should be able to move into that, that spiritual, supernatural, divine agape stuff. But Philos isn't bad because it's brotherly love. It's loving. There is a love, the scripture said. There is a love. There is a love that exists that covers a multitude of sins or faults. What kind of love is that? What kind of love is that? Well, it's not the kind that the human person can manifest. It's a love that, it's, it's the God kind of love. God said his kind of love is not easily offended. Boy, there are people that carry their, carry a chip on their shoulder. They, they, carry their, they just get offended so easy. There's people I know that, that got offended at somebody at this church and then they went to that church and got offended over there and went to that church and got offended over there and went to that church and keep looking for the perfect church. God called me one Sunday. And, he, and he, it was a Sunday morning. I was preparing to preach when we were at Sulphur Springs and he called me up and he said, Preacher, I'm coming to your church today. I've been, I've been looking down through the, the churches in Tampa. And, and, and he said, I'm coming to try your church out today. I said, we'd be glad to have you. We'd be happy to have you. Then he began to tell me about the good churches in this city with good pastors that he had been part of, went to, and found fault with that one, that one, that one, that one, that one, that one, that one. And he said, so I, I can't find a church that I can approve of. As this, that, he told me that, and I thought, that's a good church, good preacher. That's a good church. Good. And it's not perfect, but it's a good church. Amen. And so he kept on and on. He was so upset and so critical, and I thought, he's going to come here and be disappointed. <laughs> sure as he walks in the door, he's not going to stay. He's not going to hear the word. He's not going to heed the word because he's going to find fault. I mean, to a man with, I didn't tell him that, but to a man with Limburger cheese on his upper lip, the whole world stinks. And when people get that negative attitude, it's like Limburger cheese on your upper lip. Here, smell this rose. 
It stinks. How'd you like the choir? It stunk. How'd you like the sermon? It stunk. So if you're that kind of person, the devil's going to run you all over the place. Anyway, I, 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 I didn't want him to come in and, and be disappointed looking for the perfect church. However, if you have to have the perfect church, don't join it. You'd mess it up. Because you're not perfect. See, imperfect people are demanding perfection out of other people. That's why I say, what you want to see changed, let it begin in you. Anyway, I know it's a tough one. I know it's a tough one. And I know your flesh is going to argue with it. Hey, my flesh argues with it. But I want to sow into that woman what I need from that woman. I knew that I would get an amen up here. What'd you say? You're the best. The best. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Spiritually, you know, people people need to understand the law of sowing and reaping. I need him to do this. Sow it into him. Wait a minute. I want him to be kind to me. And you expect me to be kind to him when he's unkind to me? Yeah. Pray for your enemies. Do good. See the sowing? Do good to them that despitefully use you. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath. Be quick to forgive and to forget. And don't hold that and punish that person. Oh, I've, I've counseled so many people. Uh, I, I remember one time, uh, uh, and I don't have a, a big counseling thing because I'm not good at it. I'm not. I have no Ph.D. in psychology. I can't get inside your mind, nor do I want to go there. Last time I went to a spook house was when I was in sixth grade at a Halloween carnival. I'm serious. I can't figure you out. The only person who really can figure you and that guy can't either. God knows you inside out, and he loves you anyway. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. And he loves you anyway. You know why? Because there is a love that covers a multitude of sins. It, God doesn't cover it up. He cleanses them. But it's because He's willing to do that. Amen. There's a love like that. Praise God. There's a love that cries forgive from the cross Amen. in agony yes. while they're taunting Him. Yes. While they're hurling insults at Him. While they're taking sick pleasure in His pain. As he writhes in pain and gasps for breath. Physician, heal yourself. You healed others, heal yourself. And what does he do in that pain, in that agony? What does he use, that oxygen that his body's crying out for as he's dehydrating and suffocating and bleeding out on the cross? What did he say from the cross? That, that's, that's not the religious brand of love that the church is trying to demonstrate to the world. See, by this, all men shall know 
We've got all kinds of schemes to convince the world that Jesus is Lord and the Christian faith is the faith. And he said, this is it. It's singular. By this, whether they admit it or not, whether they acknowledge it or not, in their heart of hearts, they're going to know. By this all men, atheists, agnostics, people of false religions, they're going to know by this. By this. Shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you have love, not one for another. To another. It's a demonstrable love. It's a love that is viable and visible. It's how we treat and interact with one another. It's not what we say to one another. I love you, brother. I love you. You know I love you, don't you? You better know I love you. Because if you don't know I love you, that don't work. It's got to be genuine. It's got to be real. When I ministered in the prison system, one thing they told me, they said, be honest with them. You you can't con a con. Amen. You can't con a con. Some people are trying to get God to take care of everything and to give them that peace. And Listen, here's how the peace comes. Here's how that kind of love comes. Listen to it carefully. In all things... With prayer and supplication. Supplication simply means direct and distinct request. With prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving. Wow. Right? Most of our prayers are so desperate. And God wants them to be dependent. And he wants us to acknowledge his faithfulness. And his provision. When we begin to ask. In all things, with prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. That means trust Him. See, be anxious for nothing. Take it. Remember the song? Oh, the peace we often forfeit. Oh, the needless pain we bear. All because we do not carry everything to God in prayer. And we used to sing, leave it there. Leave it there. Take your burden to the Lord and leave it there. If you trust and never doubt, He will surely bring you out. But you got to deal in faith, through faith, with that burden that you're carrying. You've got to leave it there. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. Commit thy way unto Him. Trust also in Him and He will bring it to pass. Committing your way means everything. Everything and everyone in your life to Him. You've got to be still and know He's God. And you've got to stand still to see His salvation. Amen. So this kind of peace comes, listen, it's, it's like a fortress. Have you ever heard of a keep? Another name for a fortress? It's a keep. It's a place that the enemy can't just walk in and do anything he wants. It's a, it's a walled place. And it's well guarded and defended. And they call it a keep. 
Because it's keeping the people safe that are within, and it's keeping the enemy from coming in and harming them. In all things in prayer and supplication, let your requests be made known unto God, and the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep, that's that word, your heart and your mind, where all this turmoil and worry and anxiety is. It will keep your heart and your mind through Jesus Christ. And it's a peace that what? Passes understanding. When it really arrives, you won't understand why, you, why you're not worried. You'll wonder. You'll start worrying why you're not worried. <laughs> Something wrong with me or what? Amen. It's always somebody else. There's always somebody. Lady walks into a psychologist's office. She's got... Two fried eggs on her head. She's got two strips of crispy bacon for ear, you know, pierced ears hanging from her ears. Two eggs on her head, two strips of bacon. Sits down, and he's sitting there. And you know, psychologists see a lot of things, but he had never seen anything like this before. <laughs> Amen. He said, "Ma'am, do you have an appointment?" And she said, "No, but the." Receptionist said, I needed to see you now. (laughs) Amen. And so he said, ma'am, what can I do for you? She said, I came to see you about my husband. Now, if you got two fried eggs on your head, two strips of bacon for earrings, maybe it's not your husband. You know? But the blame game, it's a real game. And it's biblical. It's in our humanity. We blame. Adam, it all begins in the garden. You know when he first saw Eve? Wow. You know what he said? Yeah, wow. I mean, that's not in the Bible, but you know it. You know it. Amen. Come on. (laughs) Wow. I'll say it backwards. Wow. You know what he said? This, God said first, is not meet for man to be alone. He had that perfect relationship with God. Perfect fellowship. Unbroken by sin. And yet he said there's a human part of him that needs fellowship. Don't we have a great God that says, I don't want to dehumanize you. I want want to bless you within your humanity. And I understand your humanity. And you'll, you'll see this carried out. He, he sees Eve, he puts Adam to sleep, he takes a rib and he, you know, and he, oh, I've heard the jokes. And see, we're always blaming, blaming, blaming. You know, where, where would Adam be without Eve? In the garden. No, no. Did you know who was in charge in the garden? Adam. He didn't have to do what Eve told him. The serpent knew I can use that person to get to him. I can't personally go up there and get to him, but I can use her to get to him, and it's all going to be the same way. So he puts Adam to sleep. He takes a rib, and from that rib he forms a woman. A man. A wow. A woe man. A help, not a help meet. 
A help meet is somebody just helps you with everything. This is a help meet. It means someone that is designed by God specifically for him. Just like the woman you got. And the woman you got. And you better amen that. <laughs> Real loud. Amen. I want to I hear it up here. Because they're sitting right here with you today. I'd, and sometimes it's because of your differences that this person is specific to you. She may bring something to balance you. You may be quick-tempered and she may be, then again, it could be the other way. Well, when you're both that way. I'm not going to look at anyone. I tell you, you look guilty this morning, to tell you the truth. There's a lot of guilt in this room. But you know, if we can see our flesh with the humor of it and understand that God understands, He doesn't, He doesn't allow for our sinfulness and rebellion, but He understands our weakness, He understands our frame. David put it this way, Thou pitieth me. The reason I have mercy from God is because you know that I am but dust. You know, you know me, you know this part of me, and that's why you offer me the mercy. I have to repent to obtain it, but it's offered by you because you get me, you understand me. We don't have a high priest, the scripture said, that cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmity. And when you see infirmity, we think of just sickness and diseases. This is, this is the weakness that is intrinsic to our human nature and our flesh. He understands our infirmity. Because he was, in all points, tempted as we are, yet without sin. And that's why, if he wasn't, if he wasn't very God and very man, He couldn't understand us. God knows everything, but he doesn't know it experientially until he experiences it. And when he took on flesh, he experienced the weakness and limitations and and fallibility and faults of our flesh. And he said, Peter, I have to do this by myself, but I need you to pray with me. Can you imagine what is being said here? God in flesh, because he was in flesh. The second person of the Godhead is asking a very weak man to pray for him and with him, to intercede. Isn't that incredible? Oh, the guilt in here is so dripping. That's why I tried to give a little sugar to help the medicine go down. Amen. Amen. And Jesus goes into the garden. He sweats great drops of blood as the capillaries burst underneath his skin. And the blood from the little capillaries burst due to stress mingled with the sweat glands. And out comes a reddish brown liquid in big drops. And he said his sweat became as great drops of blood. If you want to know the duress he was under, it says the Garden of Gethsemane. It's not a rose garden. He never promised a rose garden. He promised a fallen world, amen, where we would need his grace, his presence, his power, his person to help us to go through victoriously. 
But he offers himself to us. And he offers his grace to us. And he offers his mercy to us. And he gives us instructions through his word. He comes back and he sees Peter is sleeping. He's snoring. I'll never forget we had a Volkswagen station wagon. It was a little green Volkswagen station wagon. And that thing was airtight. When you rolled the windows up, you could breathe up the oxygen real quick in it. We had a eight-wide mobile home. And I couldn't get away to pray. I had no prayer closet. The closets were full. Amen. There was no bedroom to go to that something wasn't going on in. And I went out and I got in the front seat after working for Tampa Electric all day long. I was bivocational then. I went out and I, I got in the front seat, let the passenger seat all the way back, got down and made an altar out of the passenger seat. And I began to pray and talk to God. Somewhere, I don't know when I nodded off. But I nodded off. And I woke myself up when I heard what sounded like a pig rooting under the car. I started snoring and the snoring woke me up. And I thought, Lord, you must be really proud of your servant. I mean, here I am. I came out here to seek you with all of my heart and my old flesh. I didn't intend to go to sleep. You, you understand? I intended, I was enthusiastically going to seek God for at least two hours. I must have made it 20 minutes before I nodded off. And I probably slept for two hours. And I didn't tell Pamela immediately about that because I wanted her to think I've been outside praying. I'm prayed up. <laughs> I am prayed up. You ought to get out there and do use of praying like I've been praying. And I thought, Lord, you must be really proud of me. And I was ashamed of myself for going to sleep. And it occurred to me that Peter fell asleep. He was wore out. He was tired. He was enthusiastic, wasn't he? He always had the best of intentions. And here's the understanding of God, not the approval when we're wrong, but the understanding of God. And I love that about my Lord. He's a good God. Oh, taste and see that the Lord, He is good. His mercies are new every single morning. Amen. It don't, if you really get right with Him, it's like a brand new piece of paper with nothing on it. Whatever was written against you, if you, if you confess your sin, He's faithful and just to forgive and to forget. Hallelujah. So, so, so He comes to Peter. And first, he, he, he chides him for being wrong, for being lazy, for not standing with him. And he says, Peter, couldn't you watch with me one hour? I didn't ask you to pray all night. I asked for one hour. And he saw Peter's face drop. He saw the shame and the regret. And he said, the spirit is indeed willing. Aren't you glad? Someone, there's a song that said he looked beyond my fault and saw my need. I'm so glad that God sees me through those eyes. And if he sees the willingness of your spirit and you want truly to serve him, he will help you with the weakness of your flesh. 
can you say amen? The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. God is saying, I get you like nobody in this world will ever get you. I understand you better than anyone in this world will ever understand you. And because I do, I'm a high priest that's touched with the feeling of your infirmities. Because everything that you are feeling, I have felt. Much of it led you to sin, but none of it led me to sin. But I've been there. I have been there. I don't just sympathize with you. I empathize with you. I put myself in your shoes. So come boldly, come boldly, come boldly before the, with all of your hang-ups. If you're sincere in your heart, come boldly before the throne of grace to obtain mercy and grace to help you in the time of any need. Hallelujah. Two things and we'll be done except for them celebrating our celebratory thing. Two things. Supernatural peace, supernatural love. Supernatural peace, my peace I give unto you, not as the world gives. It's not circumstantial peace, it's supernatural peace, no matter what the circumstance. It's not the absence of pressure, the absence of problems. It's the presence of God, no matter what the problem. That's His peace. It's available through committing it all to Him in prayer with gratitude. In all things with prayer and supplication, let your request be made known unto God and the peace of God that passes all understanding will keep your heart and mind through Jesus Christ. Amen. You can stand and utilize every piece of the armor if you have on the shoes of peace. But if you don't have on the shoes of peace, you can't stand and use the sword. You can't stand and use the shield. You can't stand in your armor. Amen. You can't send the best armed warriors in the world barefooted into battle. Amen. Can you say amen? Amen. 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 They, they, they don't have to shoot them. They're going to be crippled by the time they get there. And the devil wants to cripple the army of God. By having us forfeit the peace of God and try to represent a kingdom that is marked by peace to a world that can't find peace when we don't have any peace. And they look at us and they don't believe the bumper sticker. They look at us and don't believe the lapel pin. Christ is the answer. For real? My cousin didn't believe it, but he saw the peace of God and the joy of Jesus in me. And he said, is it real? He wanted to know, is it real? And I said, it's more real than the ground we're standing on, the sky we're looking at. Amen. Hallelujah. Amen. I wanted to leave that with him. I wanted him to know that. My son knew it was real because he saw it in his daddy. He saw it in his mama. Hallelujah. He didn't just hear it from the pulpit. He saw it. And the world needs to see it Amen. to believe it. Amen. And there is a love that covers a multitude of sins. And it's the agape. I don't know this for fact, but it sounds like it should and could be very true. That this word didn't come into human vocabulary in any language until the Christian era. Because philos, brotherly love, 
young black marine. They're in a foxhole that they've dug for the, for the five of them. They're all in it together, brothers in arms. There's a camaraderie there. There's a love there that has nothing to do with race and culture, the rich and the poor. If you're in that hole with those, these guys fighting for their life, and most, most military people that are in the infantry who, who are in combat will say, I, I, I lose sight of the cause we're fighting for, and I'm fighting for the man to the right of me and the man to the left of me. The enemy is so close, they're able to hurl a grenade into that big hole that they had dug to fight from during a mortar attack. The enemy has got close enough to hurl a grenade into the hole with them. And it hits in the midst of them. If it explodes, the shrapnel and concussion will kill everybody or maim everybody in there. And this young black Marine without taking thought, without having to think about it, because of the kind of love and camaraderie, throws himself over the grenade. There are people wounded because it blew him apart and some shrapnel got through, but no one was killed. But he was literally blown to bits. Greater love than this hath no man. Philos. There's no greater love in the human expression of love than Philip's brotherly love. Greater love than this hath no man than a man would lay down his life for his friend. No greater love in the human expression. But there is a greater love than that. And that is when a man laid down his life for his enemy. The Bible said that before we repented, that there was enmity between us and God. And that the wrath of God rested and abided. The justifiable anger of God rested upon us. And God commended, everybody say supernatural. Supernatural. Beyond Eros, beyond Eros, and beyond Philos, there's agape, divine. Supernatural. God kind of love. The only way you can get a hold of it is through the Holy Spirit himself. The love of God. The God kind of love is shed abroad in our hearts. By whom? By the Holy Ghost. Can you say amen? And if it isn't the God kind of love, then there's a, it, it might be a good love and a quality love, but it isn't a love like he loved But God commendeth his love to us in while we were yet sinners. This is not laying down your life for a good person. Someone easy to love. Someone that deserves your love. This is someone that is an enemy. An enmity. It was that kind of love in Jesus that held him to that cross. It was that kind of love in Jesus that caused him to cry. With breath he needed so desperately. To speak and say, Father, forgive them. They don't really understand. They don't really know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. What an amazing cry from someone in such pain and agony while they were 
taunting him and taking sick pleasure in his pain. This is the God kind of love. Tertullian, a, 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 a man who was a historian recording this new movement called Christianity, saw that. He saw it. He saw it demonstrated. And he wrote of these people. He said, when these people who are following Christ, these, this Christian group, when they meet one another, if they have never known each other before, and they have never met before, when they come together and meet each other, it's as if they were lifelong friends. See, there's a love like that. And it stood out to the, by this shall all men know what? That you're my disciples. This is the God kind of love in operation. Church of Jesus is not doing well at that. We magnify each other's fault. Magnify each other's sin. There is a love that covers that up. It says you're flawed, but so am I. So I can forgive you. Amen. You're imperfect, but so am I. We never did put a sign up, never will, the end of your search for the perfect church. We are under construction. There's a lot of dust, a lot of bumps in the road. You ever go around a road that's under construction? Amen. It looks a mess for a little while till they finish it. Well, God isn't through with us. But it's God that worketh in us. Can you say amen? And he's working. Brother Vimbley, you must have arrived. You've been preaching the gospel for 46 years. You've been studying the Bible for 46 years. You've been walking with God for almost 50 years. Amen. So you must really have it together. Honey, God is, you know, the, the, the more, more you learn, the more you know that you don't know. Amen. Amen. And the more that you think you got, the more you see how much you need. Paul, Paul, with all his credentials, said, I have, I'm not there yet. I haven't apprehended what Christ apprehended me to apprehend. I'm not there. But this one thing I do, forgetting what's behind and reaching to what's before, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling in Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. I haven't plateaued out. Thank God. Amen. I got somewhere to go. And God has somewhere to take me yet. Praise God. If we operate in that kind of love, then we can sow in to somebody else what we need from them. Because it's a selfless love, not a selfish love. In fact, Jesus said, when you move in that kind of love, you're going to get more fulfillment out of giving than you are from getting. Now, I'm going to get a brand new Escalade this morning. But you're right. If I was going to get a luxury car, I think I would go with the Lexus because it's better made and less mechanical problems. And it's very true. I like Lexus, by the way. So thank you for... But you know, I, I was thinking the other day. We went by. We went by a lady. We we actually picked them up, didn't we? A lady with.
several little children, and they had old raggedy station wagon that broke down by the interstate. We don't pick up hitchhikers. I mean, you know, we just don't. You you got to use wisdom. It's just if if God tells you to, ask Him twice, and you say, <laughs> say, are you sure? <laughs> You make sure it's God because this is a crazy world and you've got to use wisdom now. But this is a lady with a bunch of little kids and we, 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 uh, we trusted the kids anyway. <laughs> Amen. And we felt sorry for them. We picked them up, took them to a service station. But I was thinking as we were driving, and I think I had an old Buick then, and, and we got them all piled in there. But I was thinking, I was thinking to myself, if I could, I would take this lady with these kids in this raggedy old station where it keeps breaking down. I would take them to a dealership Monday. I would love to get them a brand new van with everything on it. And I would just have joy. I, I Honestly, if, if, you, if you feel the God kind of love pour through you. You know, it's, it's not your kind. It's God's kind. It's the Holy Spirit in you loving through you. And when you feel that, you just want to give. You get a, we've already received an offering. There's no hook in this. Can you say amen? But it just, it, it, maybe we receive another one. It's, I mean, honestly, you get a giving spirit when you start loving. Like you just want to bless somebody and find fulfillment in it. And Jesus said that because of that kind of love. It's, and see, the, the mind boggles, boggles, boggles. I heard a preacher that's on television, and he said, he said, you know, I found out what it means. It's better to give than receive. And this was his perspective, and it was completely wrong. Oh, Brother Venable, you don't have 100,000 people watching you on television. I know it. that doesn't make it right. 100,000 people watching you do something goofy don't make you not goofy. Can you say amen? Amen? So he said, he said, and these people buying the tapes and sending in the money. He says, he says, I found out why that Jesus said it's better to give than receive because when you give, it triggers the law of sowing and reaping so you can get. Now, no, no. No, that's the flesh. That's, that's giving to get. Just for the sake of getting. But when you give, in fact, Jesus said, give expecting nothing in return. Find the joy of being selfless. <laughs> Hallelujah. I shook my head, kicked the TV, and then said, no, no, don't hurt my TV. Anyway. It just makes you want to kick out the windows, you know? Punch out the lights. Punch out the lights. And I thought, there are so many Christians that don't get it. They're wanting his car, and they're wanting his house, and his notoriety, and his money in the bank. And they don't know anything about the selfless, self-sacrificing love of God. But boy, they need to. We need to. I need to. I need to love this lady with his love. You're doing a good job, Billy. Oh. 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 Y'all, y'all laughing. Y'all laughing, but I, you know, Billy Graham was on. How much time do we have? 15 minutes is almost here. We're okay? Okay. Just so there's 15 at the end. God is so good today. 
Billy Graham was on Johnny Carson. The audience just roared in laughter when when Johnny asked him about his marriage to Ruth Bell Graham, his soul mate, his help meet for him. And and he said uh, he said we kept ourselves. We we met at Bible college. We kept ourselves until we were married. And he and 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 he said uh, and, and you know of course Johnny you know he's been through all these relationships and and he looking at him suspect he said you mean you were a virgin when you got married to him and he said yes and Johnny just made that face in the camera you know like oh. and the audience began to laugh and Billy Graham said to Johnny Carson you know who's not laughing Ruth my wife The world don't get a kind of love that binds you together beyond sexuality, beyond sensuality, beyond you doing something to fulfill me, but a mutual giving and sharing and interacting with one another. The world doesn't get that. They just don't get it. And I'm sorry to say a lot of Christians don't get it either. So here we are, close to the coming of Jesus, still trying to get it together. And God wants to move in a Holy Ghost revival to help us get it together. Because until we want the change to come, no change will come. And it all begins in the heart. Break up your fallow ground. You've got to prepare your heart for this move of God. Break up your fallow ground, the unplowed earth of your heart. We can get hurt so many times the heart gets calloused. It gets calloused and it needs to be softened again. Break up your fallow ground. You can't even get the word in it until it's plowed. Can you, it'll be stolen away. But when it's plowed, then the word can get in. And when the word gets in, it will bring forth fruit, some 30, some 60, and some 100-fold. Praise God. How many want the kind of peace that passes understanding? Amen. That Jesus said was ours. That's our legacy. So that that peace can be the great witness to the world that we have. That will make them want what we got because they can't buy it at any price with all the money and riches in the world. Ever getting, never having enough. But godliness with contentment is great gain or the true riches. Praise God. Hallelujah. Amen. I'm, I'm, I'm so happy today to be me. <laughs> because I, I, I'm happy where I am in him. I'm happy with what I have. I, does that mean that I'm not going to trade my car someday so y'all don't have to come out and push it off? Amen. And I don't have to pray for your back after you do it because most of you are not in the condition you used to be. 
<laughs> Jimmy Swagger said he hurt his back twice because he said he was at a revival meeting and there was one guy said said every night his old battery was dead. And that's back in the day of the stick shifts that you could put it in put it in gear and push it and get it started. And he said two or three of us would have to go out and said he'd wait till everybody was gone, but about three of us. And then he'd say, "Can y'all push my car off?" And, and and not not push it off, and almost done, but not push it off like the, the lady back in the day. Courtney Campbell Causeway, the story was told. Just happened to be a lady, could have been a man. It just, you know, people are goofy. It was a person who was goofy when it came to cars and how things were. Guy had an automatic transmission, and he needed a push. And he told her she had a straight stick. Can I help you? He said, yep, I need a push. But he said, you're going to have to get up to about 30 miles an hour before this thing's going to crank. He saw her throw her car in reverse. She backed up. (laughs) Far enough to get up to 30. (laughs) And, of course, you know the rest. Yeah, that's, that's, you know, people are crazy. I mean, you've got to explain things. That's why I'm putting line upon line, precept upon precept when I preach. Sheep are crazy, right? <laughs> Help me, Sean. I'm getting in deep water. <laughs> oh, God is good today. I said God is good today. He loves you. I don't know why, but He loves you. <laughs> He wants you in heaven with Him. He gave His Son for you. Jesus gave His life for you. And God commended His love to us. Beyond philos. In that while we were yet sinners, Christ died. While we were the enemies of God. Proud, sinful, blaspheming. Jesus came and hung on that cross. And God said, that's my kind of love. Loving your best friend is one thing. Even peradventure for a good man, some would dare to die, the scriptures say. But God's love is expressed when Jesus died for the ungodly. Can you say, man?